0: Those who abide in Christ will bear fruit for Christ, experience the world's opposition by association with Christ, be assisted by the Spirit of Christ, and be assured by the joy and the peace of the resurrected Christ. You're listening to Wonder Lake Bible Church, building mature followers of Jesus Christ. Find us online at wlbiblechurch.org. Now, here's Pastor Dan Cox with today's message. You know, I've said before, I'll say it again here. It has been said that the Christian life is not difficult. Who agrees with that? The Christian life is not difficult. Well, I think it's true if you finish that out with the rest of that phrase, which is this. The Christian life is not difficult. It's impossible, right? It's impossible. It is true that the calling to produce the fruit of Christ's holy character and His works in our life is utterly impossible all by ourselves in our own strength, right? But we have not been called to do this in our own strength. We've not been called to do this on our own. We've not been called to do this with our own resources and wisdom, for that we would all fail utterly. But rather, Jesus promised that he would send another helper, the Holy Spirit, who would do that hard work of producing the character of Christ in us. But that doesn't mean that it's all the work of God and we do nothing. We do have a part to play in that, don't we? And that part that we play is in submitting to him, submitting to the Spirit and remaining in Christ. Christ. In our text today, Jesus gives us a beautiful picture of what his followers must do if the Holy Spirit is going to produce the beautiful fruit of Christ-like character in our lives. We're told there that we must abide or remain, remain vitally connected to Christ, and that those who abide in him, those who remain in him, remain connected to him, will indeed, by the power of the Spirit, produce the fruit of Christ in their lives. So we are continuing here today our series, Unique, The Life, Death, and Resurrection of Jesus Christ, a Harmony of the Gospels, as putting it in the order as suggested in this book, One Perfect Life. Today, then, we continue with our look at that final night of Jesus' earthly ministry, where we're given instruction in abiding in Association with Christ, assistance of the Spirit, and the assurance that is ours in Christ then will be in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, through the end of chapter 16. And here is the big idea, the main point that I want us to take away from our message today. And that is, it's a bit much, but that's because we're covering a lot of Scripture. And we're covering a lot of Scripture because we're timing it for our Easter season here. So blame blame the calendar for this here, that... So it says, those who abide in Christ will bear fruit for Christ, experience the world's opposition by association with Christ, be assisted by the Spirit of Christ, and be assured by the joy and the peace of the resurrected Christ. So abiding in Christ is bearing fruit for Christ Because of our association with Christ, we will be the subjects of opposition from the world. But we can be assisted by the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. And we can be assured always and know the joy and the peace of the resurrected Christ. Before we look at our text here, a little context. We have reached this final night of Jesus' earthly ministry. It was the time of the Passover feast in Jerusalem. And the disciples celebrated that Passover meal with Jesus in the upper room. But even then, the disciples continued to argue about who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus humbly washed their feet, and he forgave them of their sins. But Jesus also began making some troubling statements about betrayal, that one of them, one of their own, was going to betray, about denial, that Peter Peter himself would deny Christ, not once, not twice, but three times on that very night, before the morning, he will have denied Christ, even knowing him three times, that Jesus would suffer, that he would die by crucifixion. And the hearts of the disciples, of course, were greatly troubled by all of this. But Jesus offered them comforting words, and he assured them that he was going to prepare a place For them in the Father's house, that He would send another helper, the Holy Spirit, and they would come to know the peace of Christ. So, continuing on from there, Jesus says in John 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So first we see here about abiding, abiding in the vine, remaining connected to him. Jesus instructs his disciples here then, on three vital relationships. Three vital relationships that we are to be, first off, rightly related to him, to Jesus, but we are also to be rightly related to each other, fellow believers, and as we'll see in a moment here, also rightly related to the world. And we have three respective duties then. The first is to abide, to remain in him to love each other and to testify. Abide, remain in Christ. Don't wander off from Him. (laughs) Remain attached to Him. Love each other and testify of Him to the world, no matter what. Jesus declares that He is the true vine. You might think, that's kind of a strange thing for Jesus to say. Why would He say He is is the true vine? Well, because if you know your Old Testament history, you know that God had a vine in the Old Testament. That was what? His people, Israel, they were the chosen ones. Israel was God's choice vine on which He lavished His care and His attention. And He longed for fruit from them. But the vine... The people of Israel, they became degenerate and they produced rotten fruit. And that's why Jesus then says that he is the true vine. In other words, he fulfills what God intended for his people, Israel. He says the father is the gardener who cultivates and protects the vine. That he, the father, the gardener, he desires fruit. That there would be fruit and more fruit and even much fruit. And that's God's desire for your life and mine. If you're a follower of Jesus, he wants to cultivate you and produce fruit in your life. What is that fruit? Well, that fruit is Christ-like character. It's knowing him. It's being conformed to the character of Christ. It's doing the things that honor Christ and building his kingdom. These, this is the fruit that he looks for in us and he wants to produce fruit he wants us then to make be, make us be more fruitful and even produce much fruit. Jesus says every branch in me that does not bear fruit he cuts off. But I think it's important for us to understand what he means by that. Some need to understand every branch in me does not mean the same thing as when Paul speaks of all believers being in Christ. Here it's part of a metaphor for the vine. And it seems to me here that everyone then who professes to be in me, professes to believe in me, to be my disciple, not every one of them is necessarily a true disciple, a true follower. That there are some branches in him that do not bear any fruit at all. These are dead branches and they are cut off. And I think the imagery here is like Judas. Here he was, Jesus is saying these to the eleven That they are in him. And they are all clean. Now. Before he had said they are all clean. Though not all of you. Meaning what? Judas. But now Judas is gone. And now here it is. They are all clean. But he says even the branch that does not bear fruit in me is cut off. That is what? The one that is not a true follower. Like Judas is cut off. But for those branches that do bear fruit. The gardener prunes it in order that it might bear more fruit. Now, have you ever thought about that from the perspective of the vine? If the vine could talk to us, or maybe you, anybody like to, to garden, or perhaps trees like to cut, prune prune your garden, cut your trees and that, trim them. If they could speak to you, what do you think they might say when you were doing that? Ouch. I think that would probably be the, the key word there. Right? Ouch. Right. But the gardener does that. You do that because what are you doing? You are creating conditions that that would thrive and produce even more fruit. In the same way, you know, that's what God does with us. That's what he does with you and me. Sometimes there's a little ouch that goes on in our lives as he's pruning us in order to produce more fruit. Not always pleasant, but when we see that harvest, it is indeed A wonderful thing, isn't it? When we see that harvest of more fruit or even much fruit in our lives. But sometimes it's a painful process. But the Father does that. He prunes us that we we might produce more fruit. And the dead branches, the ones with no fruit of all, He cuts them off. They're gathered together. They're thrown into the fire. The judgment that awaits them. So the disciples part then. God is doing this work in your life, but you have a part to play, and I do too, and that part is to do what? To abide, that is to remain in him. What does it mean to remain in him? Well, it starts, of course, with with faith, true faith in the Lord Jesus, but then it means what? To continue in him, to persevere, to not fall away, but to continue in him. But I think there's also a meaning of it here then too. It's an active, willful choice to lovingly obey what he says. So when we abide in Christ, we continue in him, we persevere in him, we recognize that he is the source of our true spiritual life and vitality. And we obey him. And we're told that Apart from Him, if we're not abiding in Him, if we're not depending and trusting on Him, what can we do? We can produce what? Nothing. Now I have to tell you, God. this is from God's perspective. Is it possible for someone to, to look really good on the outside as far as people know? But God knows the heart, right? And He says, apart from Him, we can do nothing. We need to depend upon Him so a disciples a follower of jesus his or her continuing in christ remaining in him him will result in fruit and more fruit and much fruit abundant fruit but those who do not truly believe will be cut off thrown into the fire so what did jesus mean then by these branches that are cut off and thrown away. I think it means those who don't truly believe are cast aside and they come under eternal judgment. But those who abide in Christ will bear much fruit. And we're given a wonderful promise here then too about prayer, effective prayer. Effective prayer, I think that would be a great name for a sermon message. Don't you think effective prayer? Ralph, I think you should take that up. You should look into that. All I may or may not. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, effective prayer is what? It is based on faith in Christ and His words remaining in us. So Christ's word, it conditions us and it controls our behavior and our minds so that our prayers then conform to the Father's will. You know, Jesus does not say... Just pray whatever you want, and if you just believe hard enough, I'll do it for you. No, that isn't what he's saying, is it? He's saying what? When our hearts and our minds are aligned with him and his will and his purposes, he will do that then, because it is his will. I think there might be some things in my life, in your life, all of us, that God is willing to do if we would but seek him and believe him and trust him for those things. And Jesus repeats this command then too that he has said before, what? To love, to love one another. Earlier in the Gospel of John, he says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. I think nothing new about that. We've always been told to love, to love one another. But what's new about it is what? The extent of that and the source of that love. That this love is to be as He has loved us, so we are to love one another. What? Which is supreme and ultimate sacrificial love. And it's really, it's not our love. It's what? It's God's love flowing through us to one another. Then Jesus says a servant, a slave, does not have a close relationship with the master. He says, I no longer call you servants or slaves, but I call you friends. Why? Because he has disclosed the heart of the Father then to them. And Jesus reminds them. Usually in those days, a a disciple would pick a teacher. But jesus they didn't pick Jesus. Jesus picked them. The teacher picked them. And same way he has picked or he has chosen us then too, that we would produce lasting fruit. He has chosen you to produce the fruit of righteousness. He has chosen you for a mission. And he promises that he will answer our requests when we pray in accordance with his will for that mission. But there's an obligation that comes with friendship with Jesus, and that is the obligation of family love. Love one another as he has loved us. Should we be surprised when the world opposes us? Good Jesus says, "If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before I hated you, before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you," Remember, there is a price that we pay for our association with Christ, that friendship with God results in the world's hatred. So Jesus alerts the disciples to this. He said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you then as well. Now, the world in John's gospel is what? It's that system, it's that fallen system of society that is hostile to God. And under Satan's power. That world will hate you because it hates him. And a fundamental reason for this hatred is the difference. The difference that is in our lives. That is why they hate us. A believer having left the kingdom of darkness and being transferred into the kingdom of God's son has a different life, a different joy, a different purpose, a different hope a different standard for life. And the world hates that. But we've been chosen out of the world by Christ in order to produce fruit for Christ. And since we do not belong to the world, that evil, hateful, fallen system, because we do not belong to that world, the world hates us then. Jesus reminded them that no servant is greater than his master. Should we expect to be treated better than Christ? If that's how the world treated him, should we be surprised when the world treats us that way? No. Before Jesus' coming, people might have pleaded ignorance as an excuse for sin, but now that he has come, the light has come, and they've rejected that, there's no longer any excuse His miracles were so distinctive that their their importance could not be mistaken. But that nation, at the time, it rejected both Jesus and the Father because they loved the darkness rather than the light. And that continues on into our day as well, doesn't it? People love the darkness rather than the light. People don't like having their darkness exposed, and so they hate that light that exposes it. So in the face of this opposition from the world and this hatred from the world, a believer might be tempted to want to try to escape it or run from that or to be silent or not testify to that. But Jesus tells us what? We must testify of it. We're not greater than the Master, are we? But he sends us help. That helper is the Holy Spirit the spirit is sent from the father just as the son was sent from the father he has a ministry he will convict the world of sin and righteousness but we have the responsibility then to testify goes on to say i did not say these things to you from the beginning because i was with you but now i am going to him who sent me and none of you asked me where are you going And therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Must abide in Christ. Must accept by association that we will be objects of hatred from the world. The, the fallen hostile system that hates God will hate us as well. But we will have assistance in the Holy Spirit. It says what? It is to your advantage. Can you imagine how that must have sounded to the disciples that night? That Jesus is saying to them, I'm going to be going away from you. And he might oh, that's no good. He says, what? No, it's actually to your advantage that I'm going away. Would you have believed him that night when he said that? I probably wouldn't have. He says, no, it's actually to your advantage. Why? Because if he goes away, then what? He will send the Holy Spirit, the helper, who would be in them, resident within them. Not just someone like, physically present with them, but rather they would now have someone who was always present and was within them, dwelling within them, the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit would have a powerful ministry. He would guide them into all the truth. Have you ever wondered how in the world did the apostles, how did they remember all of this stuff that they were taught? All right? I'm sure some of them were taking notes, I think <laughs> were doing that, and they heard some of these things he said many times. But how do the well, but that the Spirit would help them, would bring these things to their remembrance, and He would guide them into all the truth, that He would help them to understand the meaning and the significance. We were just talking earlier this morning, elders and deacons, it's like, we're thinking, uh, in this passage we're looking at, he said, do you think the disciples understood the significance of that? I said, absolutely not, at that time, right? But later they did, and that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit who was guiding them into all the truth. So the Spirit would assist them. But Jesus had to go from them before the Spirit Would come. And they he then would lead them and guide them into all the truth about Jesus and His work, the meaning of it, the significance of it. So this was a promise to the apostles, then, that their partial understanding of the person and the work of Jesus, the Messiah, would be completed as the Spirit gave them insight into the meanings of what was about to happen of the cross and the resurrection, as well as Christ's return. And so now, when we look at our New Testament, when we hold that our New Testament books are the fulfillment of this teaching ministry and this promise of Jesus. Finally, then he says, a little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again a little while and you will see me. And because I am going to the Father. Would you have understood? I know you know now what that means, but would you have known what that meant then? So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We, don't know. we do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew what they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, Is this what you are asking yourselves, what I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour is come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech. But I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you. "'Because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. "'I came from the Father and have come into the world, "'and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father.' "'And his disciples said, "'Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. "'Now we know that you know all things "'and do not need anyone to question you. "'This is why we believe that you came from God.' "'And Jesus answered them, "'Do you now believe? "'Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come.' When you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So what did Jesus mean when he said that in a little while you will no longer see me, but then in a little while you will see me? Saying what? He was going to die. He was going to be taken from them. He was going to be crucified. He was going to die. And they would not see him. But in a little while, they would see him again. What? Because he would be resurrected. And then no one could take their joy from them. They would feel sorrow. But then no one would be able to take their joy when they saw him again. Because he is the victorious, risen Christ. And the world can't do anything about that. The world would think it had its victory and would rejoice that it killed the Son of God. But He would triumph over sin and death. He would rise again. And nothing can take their joy away then from that. So take heart. Be courageous. Because Christ conquered, because He won. In union with them, we also Triumph over sin and death in him. And the world cannot take that joy away. The world cannot take the peace away. In this world you will have tribulation, but he has overcome the world. So what? What are we to do with this? Well, I would remind us where we started that those who abide in Christ will bear fruit for Christ will experience the world's opposition by association with Christ, will be assisted by the spirit of Christ, and then be assured by the joy and the peace of the resurrected Christ. So what are we to do? Abide in Christ. Remain in Christ. Well, you can't abide in him if you've not truly ever believed in him. <laughs> so I'd encourage you to put your, your faith your trust, your confidence in Christ, in his perfect life for you, his death on the cross for you, and his resurrection from the dead for you, to believe in him, turn away from sin, believe in him, his perfect life, his substitutionary death, his victorious resurrection. And if you believe that, hold on to that, remain in him, remain connected to him, Don't wander away, but remain connected to him in dependency upon him. Abide in Christ. Expect opposition because of Christ. Are you surprised when the world is opposed (laughs) to us? You shouldn't be. And I think that opposition is only going to increase, isn't it? Our culture has taken some turning points. Used to be you could be very comfortable... In this country, as a believer, that's changing, isn't it? Expect opposition. Depend on the Spirit of Christ. That same Spirit that Jesus sent to his disciples is that same Spirit who now resides within us. Rejoice, rejoice in the victorious Christ. The world, no one can take away the joy of Christ and the peace of Christ. And the victory of Christ. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. Take courage. Why? Because he has overcome the world. And there's nothing that can do about it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this hope that we have in Jesus Christ. God, I pray that every one of us here, Lord, would truly know you and would produce fruit, not ourselves, but that your Holy Spirit, that you, Lord, would produce the fruit of righteousness in us, that we would walk in faith and obedience to you, that we would persevere in you. Lord, may we not be surprised by opposition, but lean into that, Lord, and continue to testify faithfully no matter what. We depend upon you, Lord. We admit our inadequacy and we depend upon you, Lord, to produce your fruit in us. And Lord, we thank you that no matter what may come, we know we will have trouble in this world, but we know that no matter what may come, you, the resurrected Christ, have overcome and we share in that victory. Give us, Lord, your peace and your joy, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information about Wonder Lake Bible Church, visit wlbiblechurch.org.